The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Museum Life with Carol Bossert. Museums are important whether we work in them, for them, or simply love visiting them. Throughout history, people have collected things and put them on display to enjoy. But today's museums offer much more than rooms filled with stuff. They provide places to learn and share experiences with family and friends, as well as sanctuaries to unplug, rest, and refresh. On today's show, we'll discuss how museums can remain relevant and sustainable, reach out to new audiences, and remain attuned to cultural and technological trends. Now, here's your host, Carol Bossert. Welcome to Museum Life. I'm Carol Bossert. I am so glad that you've joined me for this very special show today. I have on four guests, which, of course, in and of itself makes it unusual. Uh, but more, more than that, the topic of today's show is something that is near and dear to my heart uh, and to my profession. It is, uh, I have been involved in this particular project uh, throughout the summer and while I was unable to uh, make the final um, uh, convening uh, that took place in Chicago a few weeks ago, uh, I am very proud uh, to call uh, my guests friends and colleagues. I've learned so much from each of them, and I know that you will too. Uh, this, of course, I am talking about a convening of about 30 people that happened in Chicago at the end of January talking about the issues of race and museums. Now, we have on this program talked uh, about and around this subject with um, colleagues who participated in Museums Respond to Ferguson, as well as a group called Museum Workers Speak that is looking at uh, some of these issues and their intersections uh, as well. But today, uh, we are going to take a, a further uh, look into this uh, topic, and I have four very wonderful guests and colleagues. I have on Daryl Fisher, who is my uh, colleague and friend. She, with me, is a member of the museum group. She is also, uh, as I am, an independent museum consultant of... Uh, her practice that uh, she provides services in interpretive planning, strategic planning, and board development services of all types and sizes. Uh, we also have with us Brenda Tyndall, who will graduate from Emory University with her doctorate in history and culture, and she recently was appointed staff historian at the Levine Museum of the New South in Charlotte. Uh, with me as well is uh, a veteran to museum life and someone I have been so proud to get to know uh, and call her friend over the last um 
couple of years, and that is Portia Moore, who is uh, finishing up her doctorate in the School of Library and Information Sciences and the McKissick Museum's Museum Management Program at the University of South Carolina. And finally, a new friend, Omar Eaton Martinez who is the Intern and Fellows Program Manager at the National Museum of American History here in Washington. Welcome all of you to the show today. Thank you, Carol. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so I I want to uh, ground this uh, this program a little bit, particularly for uh, many people are unaware of the convening, and certainly our international lis- listeners need a little bit of perspective. So, Daryl, I'm going to begin with you, if you wouldn't mind, and could you just share with us uh, where the idea of the convening came from, and you know, so why and why now, and to what end. Sure, I'd be glad to, Carol. Um, last April, when many of us were in Atlanta for the American Alliance of Museums conference, um, the museum group hosted a conversation, uh, one of several last year, that was uh, called Museums Respond to Ferguson. How can this conversation be expanded and sustained? It was hosted by Mary Ellen Munley, who is another um, one of our colleagues in the museum group, and Gretchen Jennings, who many people know from her blog, Museum Commons and the Empathetic Museum. We, there was a, a wonderful conversation in the room, and we could tell at the end that it was nowhere near finished, that, that there was really traction to continue it. So... We decided um, on the spot to collect business cards from anybody who wanted to share them. We created an email list, and then while we were still in Atlanta, everyone was shaken by the news of riots that grew out of Freddie Gray's death in Baltimore. So between the conference events and current events, um, it it just seemed like there was... was no option but to delve into this further. Also, there were a lot of young professionals at AAM who worked both within the conference and outside to draw attention to concerns about race through social media groups, not only Museums Respond to Ferguson, but Museum Workers Speak, Museum Pew, blogs like the Inclusium and Museum Commons, And it just seemed like the time was right to build on this. So right after the conference, Mary Ellen and I got in touch with Gretchen, who expressed interest in bringing a larger group together. She suggested bringing Portia into the conversation, and the four of us formed a steering committee. In June, Mary Ellen and I crafted a proposal for support from the museum group. Um, TMG has a special project fund, and we got the immediate support of Darcy Foreman, our president, and uh, by, I would say, by August, we got news from Darcy that the project had been approved. Um, Our our colleagues in the museum group uh, really didn't know what action steps would come out of the convening. Um, they just wanted to support us in confronting oppression and privilege 
in in our museum. So there was some radical trust on their part in terms of providing the support for this. But um, we've been we've been meeting from August until the convening happened in January. Wow! Yes, so it was it was fast paced. Uh, Portia, then, um, so so you were involved then uh, as as sort of a a key planner. Um, what how what did you hope to accomplish? As uh, you know, first you were asked to be on on this planning committee, and then uh, moving forward. Well. Um I think because I am a critical race theorist and I'm always very interested and really intrigued about uh, conversations about um, race, um, on a personal level, I was hoping that we could really um, flush out um, sort of what the consensus was in the field from other museum professionals about why they felt race did or did not matter. And I was also um, hoping that we could extend larger and important conversations, which many of us have been a part of, such as um, Museums of Sandra Ferguson, which Aaliyah Brown and Adrian Russell have done an outstanding job um, leading monthly um, Twitter chats on, or Museum Workers Speak, that Alyssa Greenberg and Nina Pelez and Monica Montgomery have also sort of helped to lead um, so that we could really help museum professionals draw strong connections between contemporary social issues and the role that race plays in so much of what we do. Thank you. And, and Brenda, you as uh, you came on uh, to sort of a, a bit of a broader committee when the, when the group was expanded. What were your hopes when you first uh, agreed to participate in this endeavor? I think my, my, my hope was that um, I was uh, intrigued by the idea of having a multi-generational, a, a racially diverse um, conversation around museums and race. I think so often conversations are monolithic in terms of the demographic of people sitting around the table. So I thought it would be an excellent opportunity to interface, again, with a multi-generational or intergenerational uh, and racially diverse group who represent um, a broad array of museum institutions. Um, and so for me, it was really an opportunity to build uh, relationships across the industry. Great, great. And Daryl, I'm going to come back to you. So, I mean, clearly the, um, you know, the planning process uh, was, was pretty rapid pace. I mean, this was an idea that was born out of discussions in April and here uh, in January, you actually uh, pull off the convening. Uh, and, it, and it sounds, uh, too, as if the uh, planning committee, uh, you've mentioned some of the participants and, and uh, full disclosure, I, too, was involved in the planning, so some of these questions I'm asking you uh, are, are just to, uh, uh, to share with, with the, uh, the listening audience. Um, but what was the planning process like? I mean, did you, I mean, how, you know, obviously you're an intentional uh, individual, and, and as are Portia and Brenda, and I'm sure others as well that were on the, on the group. Uh, but so how did you sort of go, go about doing this, I mean, you had tasks, but you also had a lot of philosophy that I would think that, that you had to uh, um, uh, address. Right. Well, in the beginning, it was Portia 
and Gretchen and Mary Ellen and I who had biweekly calls. But in September, um, we wrote a planning team charge and we recruited eight more people to join us. So, so there were a dozen of us starting in September who um, we worked in a really decentralized way, I would say. There were task forces that were each working on specific tasks, like uh, writing an RFP for facilitators, which we realized we would need, interviewing them, and then finally doing a selection process and contracting with um, Tony Wynn and Kimberly Rosa. Um, there was another group that was charged with determining the criteria for participants, knowing that we, we had a limited budget and we couldn't invite everyone we wanted to, um, they had the really challenging task of selecting participants, extending invitations, keeping track of, of that whole process. Another task force uh, created a communications plan and platforms. Um, others created a resource list of readings and websites. So. Um, we would do our work and then report back to the whole group when we had our meetings. And I just want to stress the fact that with the exception of the facilitators, every single person who worked on planning the project over months and everyone who attended the convening over the three days in January did so as a volunteer. So there were literally hundreds and hundreds of hours that went into this. And throughout the process, it was, it was characterized by this, this spirit of trust that encouraged everybody to speak up, to speak out, even when they didn't agree with one another, and then this radical reliance on the task forces. Um, and in terms of logistics, we also had a base camp site that served as a platform, and it made it easy for all of us to see what others were working on. So that Great. was that was the process in a nutshell. No, that's that uh, that's very instructive. Now, Portia, uh, as you said before, you bring a a certain uh, academic rigor and perspective to uh, the topic of of race, and uh, I'm. I know that you also brought that to bear uh, with the planning committee. Uh, as, could you just share a little bit of your of your thoughts mm-hmm. about how you helped the planning committee frame this this project? Yes. Well, I would um, have to say that the planning process was really quite a large undertaking, like Daryl said. Um, and I think just as a planning team, there was much to learn about the comfortability of others. Um, like taking real stock of who we all are and where and how we enter into the conversation and being very mindful of the language and tools um, in which to speak about race. Um, I feel really strongly that conversations about race um, really kind of must exist outside of negative emotions such as guilt or shame or comfortability. So we had to address these things. Um, And we all realized quickly that it was vital to have to have facilitators to kind of help guide us through um, just because of the sheer number of participants. Um, you know, as a critical race theorist, I, you know, who interrogates and examines cultural heritage spaces, it was really important for me um, to think about how the conversation had to be intersectional. Um, in my mind, an authentic conversation on race had to also address, address issues of oppression. 
And then I think, you know, it was also important for us to think about privilege and the ways that we all operate in various forms of privilege um, and how privilege shows up in the museum. museum. So um, our guiding principles or values were thinking about museums and race from the areas of privilege, oppression, and intersectionality. And I also found it um, necessary to really think about intersectionality because of Dr. Janetta Cole's um, uh, AM keynote address last year, which really focused a good bit on the power and necessity of um, interrogating the museum through the lens of um, intersectionality. Great, great. Very, very helpful. And Brenda, I know that you have something to add. And Omar, I want to get you into the conversation. But before I do, we're going to go ahead and take our first of two breaks. And when we come back more with Daryl, Portia, Brenda, and Omar uh, about, uh, I'm asking them to do a Herculean task of taking what is a very complex topic, was a very intense three days, and summarizing it into less than an hour conversation. But I do hope that for all of you, it sparks interest, uh, you gain some knowledge and perspective. And of course, when we come back, I will share uh, how you too can get involved in this very important conversation. But for now, uh, stay tuned. We will be back in a moment. This is Carol Bossert for Museum Life. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Carol Bossert established CB Services LLC because she believes in the societal value of museums. Exhibitions are a primary way that museums deliver this value, providing places for exploration, renewal, and conversation. Good exhibitions begin with good content. And at CB Services, we are all about the content. CB Services helps organizations identify, shape, and document the ideas and stories that form the foundation of a successful exhibit. We provide tools that help our clients make good decisions throughout the exhibition development process and get the most out of collaborations with architects and exhibit designers. CB Services offers half-day and day-long workshops to get staff, boards, and communities ready for an exhibition project. Call today to schedule a workshop. CB Services also offers a one-hour free consultation to organizations no matter where they are in the exhibition development process. Visit carolbossertservices.com. Reach out to Carol through Twitter or LinkedIn or call her directly at 240-432-7712. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned into Museum Life with Carol Bosser. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to carol.bossert at verizon.net. 
Now, back to Museum Life. Welcome back. Today we're talking about museums and race, specifically the planning and then uh, ultimate um, uh, holding of a, of a very important conversation uh, in our field, the museum field, about uh, race and museums. And I have with me today four uh, uh, planners and uh, participants in that, Daryl Fisher, Daryl Fisher, Portia Moore, Brenda Tyndall, and Omar Eaton Martinez. And so before we went on break, uh, Portia was just sharing some of her the philosophy and framework, academic rigor uh, that uh, really needs to be brought to uh, this this kind of conversation uh, so that it moves just beyond good intention, but into understanding and eventually action. And uh, Brenda, we uh, weren't able to uh, get your perspective on that planning process before uh, before we went to break. So uh, I'm sure you have something to add. Yeah, sure. I think um, part of the planning process was about being very intentional, as um, Portia suggested, about having a vocabulary, a sort of a language, if you will, um, that would help us facilitate a, con- a thoughtful conversation and a nuanced conversation around the issue of museums and race. And I thought what, what helped... Um, was that vocabulary around intersectionality and privilege. But what what I also thought was very interesting was that we all entered uh, that space with a different um, uh, literacy of those terms. And so I think while some of the group were versed on intersectionality and or privilege or race as a social construct, um, others... um, understood that 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 terminology um, as a result of going through this sort of planning process um, and so it, it was an op- the planning process was an opportunity to build um, this conversation in the convening but to also build awareness among um, the planning committee itself um, so that was very instructive I think for all of us um, to interface with each other in that in that way Great. Yes. Yes. It's so it was almost like a, a crucible for uh, gaining some uh, gaining vocabulary and understanding that could then be shared with the, the larger group. Omar, That's I right. want to I want to bring you into the conversation. Um, you were a participant, uh, one of the invited participants uh, to this um, to this convening. What did you what what was your reaction when you first received the invitation? When I first received the invitation, I was like, this is incredible that people were thoughtful enough to um, put together a convening where we can talk about something as important as museums and race, but also a lot of the language that I thought was really um, interesting and for me attractive was that it wasn't just that we were talking about museums and race in a vacuum, but like a lot of the other... Uh, you know, folks who are, who, are, who are on the phone right now and, and people who are there have said that there was still rooted an in intersectionality because I think what we do a lot of times in, in this work is we marginalize our efforts by siloing certain, uh, certain identities. Um, mm-hmm. I think for me, um, as a black Puerto Rican man uh, growing up in D.C., I've always uh, felt that type of push and pull around uh, this black and white 
racial binary that we that's so prominent in American culture. And so for a group to want to talk about this and, and push and pull on all these different issues uh, and, and then be able to see the, the list of people that were invited, some names I recognized, some I didn't, but then all the institutions that they represented or, or, or had different experiences in um, really got me excited about it. But in, at the same, with that same excitement sort of also gave me a little bit of concern because I've been part of these conversations before where, uh, you know, they're rooted in things like race and inclusion, but then, you know, there's only a certain amount of people in the room, right? That, that somebody's not there, it basically, is what I concluded. So how do we reconcile those two things together? And I thought the group gelled beautifully around that, actually. I thought the people were very vocal about it, and it was certainly um, the early parts of our conversation of, of that two-day meeting was rooted in the fact that we know that everybody's not here, yet we know we're all trying to be inclusive and talking about all these different issues that, that are built around museums and race. So what do we do about that? How, do we, how, does that, how does that realization inform our next steps? And I felt the group responded in, in some wonderful ways. Omar, thank you so much. That's really insightful. And what it does is... Um, uh, uh, Porsche, I'm going to come back to back to you. Uh, Omar uh, mentioned that you know the group. What I mean, you know, with under 30 people, you can't invite everybody. Um, mm-hmm. How were decisions made? And I I know the answer to this, Portia, but I'm going to make you answer it. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Uh, and uh, you know, well, yes. So. Uh, uh, how were dis- uh, how were decisions made to uh, you know to select the participants? I'm sure it was sort of like trying to select among your uh, children to determine who who's your favorite. Oh my God! So what? I, I actually I want to say I, it makes me I really appreciated everything that Omar just said. Um, I also want to say that participants were not chosen because they were the originators of this kind of work, and I think that. Um, people that we all admire and respect, such as Lonnie Bunch and so many others in the field um, who have been speaking loudly and boldly about racial um, equality in the museum, you know, from the workforce to the visitor and to the equity of collections um, and exhibitions are folks who literally led us into that room. So I think that that needs to be acknowledged. Um, You know, there were so many people that got us to the room. Um, There was a steering team which was comprised of members of the museum group um, who had facilitated um, that unconference um, at last year's AM on museum respond to Ferguson, and they really wanted to extend that conversation. Um, and so this, when the steering t- team put together a planning team to kind of help put this convening together, we asked everyone to submit names of who they felt was really invested in this type of work and um, as a result, there was a huge list of names, and then there was this really hard battle of narrowing down that list. Um, again, we knew that in keeping with the practice, practice of intersectionality, um, that was key, and so we really worked hard to make sure there was equity um, in terms of racial composition and um, gender representativeness and age, region, type of museum, type of work. It was very, very daunting. Um, we also had conversations about um, the amount of power in the room. We felt that it did not need to just be a, a sort of um, 
recreation of all museum directors, but we also wanted students and activists. Um, and so we sent out invitations, um, created a waiting list, and that was essentially um, the process. And we tried to invite people who might represent or speak for many communities or many walks of life or situations or affiliations so that they could bring as many perspectives as possible. And it was really, really hard um, because I think the committee was aware that there would inevitably be someone who should be in the room that would not be in the room, simply because there was a feeling that, again, um, we needed to be intersectional in the selection process. Thank you, Portia. That, that, uh, that is well said, and I appreciate you bringing up the fact that uh, this convening in no way uh, was to marginalize people who have been working in this area for many, many years. As you said, without their efforts, this convening could never have taken place. Uh, many of us would never uh, be having this conversation, uh, nor would we even be in the field. And so there are many, many people that, that we need to uh, thank in that regard. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to ask you all, uh, you knew that this was coming, I'd like you to just, uh, each of you, share your personal uh, impressions uh, about, you know, about the convening, what you, what you learned, um, what, uh, 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 you know, just, 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 so each of you uh, can give a, a flavor uh, of, of uh, what, what it was like to be in the room for those two days. And Brenda, I'm going to start with you. Wow. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm actually still processing that, that experience um, because it was indeed um, very powerful, um, very thought-provoking. Um, there's a lot of work that remains to be done to ensure that the kinds of work that, that we were attempting to do in the context of the convening and the, the work that preceded um, the convening um, that we ensure that we indeed were able to accomplish some of that equity around um, race um, in museums. Um, what I really fully appreciated about the convening was not just simply the convening, but, but the way in which folks are still mobilizing around the issue um, outside of the convening. So afterwards, what you had was just this amazing um, uh, conversations taking place um, via email um, and um, via phone, and folks are really, um, mo- uh, people are very inspired by um, the work that remains to be done. So for me, it really built some momentum around um, not just talking about museums and race, um, but the praxis, not just the theory of museums and race as a conversation, but the practical components so that we can begin to address um, in very concrete ways, um, issues that evolve out of sort of the race conundrum uh, within our industry. Interesting. Thank you. And I, I know uh, you'll have more to say as we, as we sort of do this round robin. Daryl, I'm going to uh, uh, pick you next. What, uh, what was it like you know, one, you had been planning this, probably eating, sleeping, breathing this for uh, six, you know, six very intense months. Uh, what was it like to finally be there? Well, you're right about eating, sleeping, breathing it. <laughs> um, yes, Portia did too. Um, but I guess that for me, a, a couple of the biggest 
um, impacts were to see how much activity and action and passion there was in that room. Um, People who are already doing work and who are committed to do much more work um, in terms of equity in our museums. Um, and, and for me, one of, one of the most powerful messages was that structural racism and oppression and, and inequality in all of its forms harms all of us. Um, and it, it diminishes the potential impact of our institutions. And, and so there's this urgent need for us to address privilege and oppression. And one place we can do that is in um, our professional meetings. So there was a lot of energy around that. And, um, and for me, um, I, a big learning was that there's this need for white museum professionals to really come to terms with our privilege and our role in oppressive systems that have existed before we were born. Um, and, and to sort of lift some of the weight off of people of color who have, who have really borne the burden um, of raising these issues of racism and oppression and it shouldn't all be on their shoulders. So I came away with a greater commitment to that. Thank you. Thank you, Daryl. That's a very, very good point uh, as well. And, and so then, uh, Portia, yes, you too were right there with Daryl. Uh, uh, you know, just, just re- I know the effort that, that you all um, uh, did. And, and I, you know, there was there is a level of trust. I'm sure there was a little bit of level of risk, uh, you know, if things mm-hmm. didn't come off as planned. What, what were your feelings when you finally got there? Well, when I saw when we when I finally got there, I was like, "Oh my God, we're finally here!" <laughs> it took so many <laughs> weeks to get there. I was really excited about it, um, and and you know, like Brenda, I I truly am still processing it. I think um, you know we had lots of groupthink and circle discussions and facilitated conversations, lots of mobilization and and action planning, which for me was the most important part: the action planning. But also on a personal level. As someone who lives in the deep south, who has been actively protesting the Confederate flag and who recently, um, you know, took part in every single day of the protesting against the coming down of the Confederate flag, living in a place where, you know, I personally knew people who were part of Emmanuel 9 um, and who lived in a place that is very sort of culturally saturated with a deep-rooted history of race and racism and this um, tension between what is culture and what is heritage. <clears throat> and oftentimes, <clears throat> being one of very few, if not the only voice, um, speaking out about these issues, particularly within the museum space, it was wholly gratifying and satisfying to my soul to be able to walk into a room with Brenda, with Omar, 
with Deborah Mack, with Lisa Johnson Lopez, like with so many people who were there, who um, are people who are doing this kind of work, who um, are passionate, who are not just, you know, paying lip service, but who um, really get it and know and understand. So um, just on a personal level, you know, it was just great to be able to walk into a room and just be able to, like, be part of a circle and look back and be able to see all of these people with, with this great energy and passion. So um, for me, that was the, the highlight of the, of the convening. So, yeah, that was just fantastic. That's, uh, thank you. I, I can't, I, I can't imagine. Um, uh, I think that word gratification, uh, just, just to see something that, that, uh, was coming to fruition. Um, Mm -hmm. we have, uh, Omar, uh, we're, we're, uh, coming close to break, so I don't want to have you start, uh, your thoughts and then interrupt them. But what I will ask, and, uh, Omar or, or Daryl, uh, I know that there is a website, uh, that is, uh, that was developed for the convening. I know there are plans to put a lot more material up on that, but could one of you give the URL, please, so that listeners can, uh, begin to, uh, uh, gain access and see what's going on? Sure. Sure. It's HTTPS colon slash slash museums and race 2016 dot wordpress dot com. And at this point, it has our statement of purpose, which was sort of our guiding light. It has a list of participants um, and a reading list, as well as a note from the museum group. But within the next day or two, it will have much more. Um, It will have action steps that came out of the convening and a summary written by someone who was there. Fabulous, fabulous. Uh, so everyone, uh, and if you can't remember that, just uh, Google Museum and Race 2016. I bet it'll come up. So that'll do with, it. <laughs> that'll do it. Uh, we will be back uh, in just a moment. Uh, there's so much more to talk about and share, particularly some of the action steps that are have come out and are coming out uh, from this very important <laughs> conversation about museums and race. So please stay tuned. This is Carol Boss for Museum Life. We will be back in a moment. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Carol Bossert established CB Services LLC because she believes in the societal value of museums. Exhibitions are a primary way that museums deliver this value, providing places for exploration, renewal, and conversation. Good exhibitions begin with good content, and at CB Services, we are all about the content. CB Services helps organizations identify, shape, and document the ideas and stories that form the foundation of a successful exhibit. We provide tools that help our clients make good decisions throughout the exhibition development process and get the most out of collaborations with architects and exhibit designers. CB Services offers half-day and day-long workshops to get staff, boards, and communities ready for an exhibition project. Call today to schedule a workshop. 
CB Services also offers a one-hour free consultation to organizations no matter where they are in the exhibition development process. Visit carolbossertservices.com, reach out to Carol through Twitter or LinkedIn, or call her directly at 240-432-7712. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're tuned into Museum Life with Carol Bossert. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to carol.bossert at verizon.net. Now, back to Museum Life. Welcome back. This is Carol Bossert, and today uh, we have been talking about uh, the convening that occurred in Chicago just a few weeks ago uh, about museums and race, transformation and justice. Uh, And I have uh, with me today uh, Daryl Fisher, Portia Moore, Brenda Tyndall, and Omar Eaton Martinez, uh, who uh, participated in this convening. And of course, one hour less than one hour is not going to do this uh, this very important uh, and very in-depth uh, discussion a lot of justice uh, but I am hoping that it does build awareness with a broader community and uh, provide some resources and, and uh, set a sense of, of what's uh, happening so I, I guess in this final segment um, you know if, if uh, and Omar you mentioned this and I think uh, others did as well you know people uh, have been talking about uh, these issues, race, uh, for quite some time. Um, what? So I guess the question is, what can what can come out of this convening, or what is going to come out of this convening that is going to be making a making a difference? Sort of, it's the like, so what? You had a conversation. Now what? Mm-hmm. Uh, so Omar, <laughs> if you know, uh, Omar, if, if uh, you wouldn't mind tackling that for a moment. Sure. I mean, there were so many different things as we've already related relayed on the uh, on on these on these this discussion is that there's been so much there's so many different uh, aspects that we can we can go about approaching coming up with solutions for museums and race and I mean part of what I really enjoyed was the idea that we had all these people who were not just practitioners, but they were scholars, and somebody right now who is, you know, currently trying to achieve a PhD, you know, to take theory to praxis in a two-day period uh, with people who are doing it alongside with you, ahead of you, and, and, and any other place you want to put them uh, was really important to me, and, and an idea that came out of it. So one of the things that we discussed was to create through the website, a repository of different articles, videos, presentations on museums and race and, and the different um, anti-oppression, anti-racist um, presentations that have already gone on uh, through the course of many, many different years. Uh, we, we talked about, uh, you know, Daryl briefly mentioned about the, the White Ally Group and, and coming up and collaborating with different sessions. A lot of this 
has been looking at the professional associations and conferences and how can we collaborate amongst our group and, 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 and even have other people join us on these different panels to continue to talk about these issues. Because I think, again, the thing that we were most careful about was not necessarily trying to uh, posture ourselves as the voice of museums and race. There are many voices out there, and how can we continue to spark this conversation, I think, is one of the main uh, main uh, action items that we can take away uh, from from those two days. And then lastly, for me, it was just uh, a, another way to continue to build our, our networks with one another. You know, a lot of these things are going to be formalized uh, professional sessions that we're doing at AAM and, and, and many other different types of conferences, but there's going to be a lot of, there's going to be a lifelong professional and maybe even personal friendships that come out of this and, and, and I think that's where we really build because this is an intimate issue. This issue is personal. And a lot of times when we're talking about professional practice, there's this um sort of antiquated uh, approach of like, well we have to you know be professional and leave our personal things at the door. I can't do that with this. This is personal for me and I think it's personal for a lot of people and to be able to be in that intimate space to talk about it was very, very important for me. Thank you. Thank you, Omar, and thank you for the courage of saying that. I think you are absolutely right uh, that uh, we can act in professional manners, but we are people, uh, and we we can't divorce ourselves uh, from that, particularly in the field that we have chosen, uh, and we've chosen it because of our beliefs and our passions, not because it brings in a great big paycheck. Uh, <laughs> So, Brenda, what? How would you answer that question? Sort of, you know, how how are you answering it to perhaps your family or your colleagues who weren't there? Sort of like, okay, you had this conversation. Now what? Yeah, I think it was more than I think. To yes, it was a conversation, um, but I think ultimately, uh, what I feel compelled to do is to, to develop a deeper literacy of the people, of the boots on the ground, and the literature that has really sort of shaped. On this discourse, I also think as a young practitioner, um, as a as a historian, I think it's important to interface with those that have been in the field for a very long time, because I want to make sure that as a young professional, um, that I'm cultivating um, a trajectory that is conscious of um, the the issues um, that um, have shaped the field in the past but also the ones that we will in- inherently um, are part of, um, of the work that we'll be doing um, as, as young professionals. So I want to be sure that I'm equipped to transform the institutions um, that, that I have an opportunity to, uh, to help um, uh, you know, cultivate and move forward. Um, I, I'm, I'm at an institution that is already, in, in many ways to me, in the vanguard of having difficult conversations. Um, the Levine Museum of the South is really a place where we're, we're having courageous conversations. We're talking about race. We're talking about culture. We're talking about ways in which museums serve um, the, uh, the broad array of community folks that it caters to. And so I'm happy um, that I'm part of an institution um, that is invested in that, but equally um, happy that I'm part of an industry that is invested in the idea of equity um, within the industry writ large. And so the things that, that Omar said, we, we actually interface quite a bit 
um, in our smaller groups, I would I would just sort of say that everything that he's just said is spot on in terms of uh, what are the outcomes um, of the convening. Um, lots of work still to be done, period. Thank you. Thank you. Portia, what would you like to add? I, I honestly feel like Brenda and Omar just kind of opened up my head and said everything. I totally agree with everything they said. I feel that um, upon leaving the convening, and like Brenda said before, still processing everything, I think just on a personal level, as someone who is, you know, working on their PhD and thinking very um, critically about practice and, um, like Brenda said, you know, how the ways in which you contribute to the, the body of knowledge um, just on a personal level, just being more clear about my own um, understanding of this work, um, why it matters to me, and also very excited about um, the fact that this is an open group. We're asking and, and encouraging others to um, to join us. So I will be very ha- happy when the um, information is up on the website so that others can... Um, can join in and add to the conversation and be a part of that um, movement of activism. Thank you. And, and, and so just to reinforce the importance of the website as a means of communication, uh, I uh, anticipate that as new programs, it, as Omar was saying, at AAM, at some of the regional conferences, as these are developed, uh, that information will go up on the website. I'm sure it will uh, be uh, communicated through social media, and then you will be uh, so others uh, will be able to be involved, and that, of course, is part. One of the goals is to have is to broaden the conversation among people of all colors. And Daryl, that was a point that you had made as well. So I'm wondering. Uh, I'm sure you have something to add uh, to the to you know the, sort of like the next steps. Well, um, I guess in terms of next steps, um, there's. Um, the realization of the uh, enormity of the work that still exists and the fact that we um, started as a very small group. You know, we started with four and then we went to 12 and then we went to 24 and now that circle is already expanding. But um, we want this to be um, a vital, sustainable movement um, to address these questions of museums and race. And so how successful we are in doing that um, will depend on how we can translate all of this passion um, and energy into action. And that also means how many colleagues will join us in these efforts. So... We hope that, that this will be like a snowball, that it will get bigger and bigger from, you know, AAM to regional conferences to state conferences, and, and that we can start right now. So the website will be a place for anyone who's listening and who wants to join in this effort to share their contact information and share initiatives that they are engaged in. So we hope that it will become um, really robust in that way, too. 
You know, one of the things that uh, strikes me as, uh, you know, I'm always looking, uh, having the ability to look at some perhaps broader themes. Uh, for the last couple of weeks, I've been talking with colleagues about uh, uh diversity in terms of physical and uh, emotional accessibility for people with various disabilities or or simply like me who's gotten to an age where I need a little brighter light and bigger type on a on a label to to really enjoy it and it seems that we may be in our profession finally at a uh, a crossroads to look at as Omar was saying who's in the museum who's sitting around that board table who's sitting around the director's table and asking who's not there uh, uh, in a way that perhaps is a little more systemic uh, than we have been able to have that discussion uh, before. Uh, Omar, does, is, have I characterized your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think you, you have. I mean, in fact, you probably expounded on it because, I mean, when I made that statement, I was really speaking most specifically to, to the convening in Chicago, but I have been in other spaces before where we talked about this and and the concern is, you know, I mean, it's good to see who's here, but it's also always a concern of who's not here. But I know in some of the work uh, that I've done and my colleagues have done uh, in our institutions, the board representation is always one uh, that's most important but has seen the least movement. And so I, I th- I'm glad, I'm, I'm thankful for you to bring that up because I think that's something that uh, we can probably lock arms with with the current group and as the group continues continues to expand. Thank you. And you know, I'm, I'm thinking too, Daryl, um, well, actually all, all of you, I mean, those of us who work, who work in museums and those of us who work for many museums, I mean, this is something uh, that, uh, that uh, we need to be looking at within our entire industry. You know, we often focus on you know, uh, who's, who's working just at the museum, but we need to be looking at who is working in the support organization everything from fabricators to lighting designers to conservators uh, to uh, all sorts of, of people. This needs to be uh, the museum uh, industry as a whole is uh, not as, uh, as diverse and re- certainly not as representative of our country as it needs to be. So I applaud all of you for doing the great work that you did. As I said, I'm, I'm very uh, disappointed that I was unable to participate, but I have been going to the website. I've been starting to read some of of the additional literature. It is life-changing, and so I recommend everyone uh, to participate uh, in that. Um, And if you have any additional questions, you can always email me, and I will put you in contact with the appropriate people uh, who were involved in this very important uh, conversation about uh, museums and race. It is a conversation that will continue. And so thank you, Daryl. Thank you, Portia. Thank you, Brenda. And thank you, Omar, for being on the show and also sharing what I'm sure are are your initial thoughts as you continue to process this. And I hope to have you on the show in about a year and we can continue to see how how things are going. Thank you very much for being on the show today. Thank Thank you so much, Carol. Thank you, Carol. Thank you, Carol. 
And we will be back next week with another edition of Museum Life. Remember, uh, I always love to hear from you. Uh, that makes all listeners uh, individuals and, uh, and broadens my circle of understanding about the museum field. So please uh, send me an email, send me a tweet, and we will be back next week. This is Carol Bossert for Museum Life. Thank you for tuning in this week to Museum Life. Please join your host, Carol Bossert, again next Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. What museum issue is on your mind? Tell Carol at carol.bossert at verizon.net.